speak so good and me playing an instrument it's not really my thing so what do I have to do and the key is is to be unique God has created we're each one his own work of art and in each one of us there's differing gifts and talents and the key is to be able to say I'm okay to be who God made me to be it's okay that the gifts that God has given me the passions that he's given me is unique from somebody else there are hashtags, YouTube compilations, and even TV shows that display people's epic food fails. These people tried to make something just like the original, but couldn't do it. Well, in today's message, Pastor Daniel reminds you that God made you with unique gifts and talents. Because of this, you need to let go of trying to be like other people and allow God to use your abilities to make a difference in the world in a new and fresh way. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Ephesians chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Need for Self-Expression and Creativity. Many of you know my story. I was playing music as a career, and I was on that arc. And when I got saved, I was in the midst of struggling with this fact that when I would play a gig, if I liked the way that I played, then I felt great about myself. And if I felt like I played a lousy gig or I got a, a lousy response to what I was trying to express, then there was something deficient about me as a person. Because I was trying to use my art to build my identity. It was a pseudo-savior. And I'm here to tell you, when your art is your pseudo-savior, you're not getting saved. You're getting judged every single day. Because the problem with an artist is you always know you could have done it different, better, a little bit more smoother, whatever the thing that you're looking for. So art as a savior is a brutal taskmaster. But we put up front that we're not saved by our art, but we are, in a sense, saved unto this creative endeavor. Now, notice what it says first. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. First, I want you to notice that we should be creative as God is creative. We should be creative as God is creative. Notice it says, for we are his workmanship. Now, workmanship isn't a word that we use all that often, but if you think of somebody who's a woodworker, right? And we have some folks in our congregation who are just really gifted. You, you put them with some wood and some tools, and they can make something beautiful. You say, wow, that's amazing workmanship when you see something very detailed. The word in the Greek is literally the Greek word poema, which we get our English word poem from. So in a sense, he's saying, for we, the people of God who've been saved by grace apart from works, are God's poem. Now... Is anybody here a poet? A few of you have the gift. I love it when I read somebody who's got the gift of poetry. At best, I'm a poet and I don't know it. Every once in a while, I'll roll something off and it'll rhyme and I think I have a great career in hip-hop or something and I say, well, maybe not. Maybe not. But you as a child of God, saved by grace, apart from work, is God's own work of art. 
Now, the beauty of the, you're like, I'm God's work of art. You are. Now, listen, you're God's work of art that's not finished yet. You have to realize that. The Bible literally teaches that we're all in process, that God is doing a work in each one of us, but you created in Christ Jesus, saved by grace unto something brand new. You are God's in-process work of art. Now, doesn't that change the way you think about yourself? It doesn't mean that you are God's complete. You're not like, yeah, I'm like God's Beethoven's fifth. I'm like John Coltrane's The Love Supreme. I'm like Rembrandt's The Return of the Prodigal Son or the poetry of you name it or whatever. But you are in process a display of God's extraordinary workmanship. See, God is infinitely creative. Not only do we have the creation account, but the Bible teaches us that the work of the Spirit in our lives is created. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life is to absolutely transform us, to recreate us into the same image of glory as Jesus is. So God is creative. And God in God's creativity not only created the world and all that is contained within it, but God is recreating, refashioning each one of us every single day in Christ if you find yourself in Christ. Do you ever think about God's work in your life as a creative work? See, unfortunately, because we don't have a culture that values creativity in the same way, we often don't think that God is being creative in the work that he's doing in my heart. But if you look back over the last week or the last month or the last year, you see God doing a very creative thing in your life if you're willing to have eyes to see. And really, because God is transforming us by his spirit, As God is creative, God wants to make us creative as he is creative. And that's a powerful thing. God is creative, and he wants us to be creative. It's unfortunate that we live in a time in the church where the church has kind of lost the value of human creativity. So often within the church, unless it's Jesus, 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 and everything's a cross, we think that there's something wrong with it, which I actually think misses the point of what God is doing. Everything has to be overt in order for it to be acceptable within the church. And I think that that's a tragedy. The church hasn't always been like this. The church is actually the greatest purveyor of arts historically of any organization that's ever been created. All you have to do is take a trip to Rome. Go to the Vatican Museum. The church championed the arts for so long. And it's one of the beautiful things here at Crossroads. We call our creative arts community the responding. It's one of the things that we want so much is to be a vehicle for creative artists of all different sorts to be able to have community to be able to do their art and to be able to bring that art into the world. What does that look like? So we want to be creative as God is creative. 
You know, talk about fine arts. I'm always amazed by people who God has given great business gifts to. We have someone like here, Ron, has been on staff here for three years, been a part of this church for 25 years. God's really used Ron here at Crossroads with his gifts of administration and finance. I think of someone like Bob Mortar, who's an integral part of our church and been on staff here for about a year and just a gifted business person. I believe that's radically artistic. See, it's not, it's about figuring out, Lord, what is the skill set you've given me and how can I embrace that as biblical creativity for your glory? See, when someone takes the gifts that they maybe have honed in the marketplace and start to apply it to God's kingdom, something extraordinary happens. I think someone like Rabe, who's been a board member, been part of Crossroads for a long time, as a doctor, when he goes on the mission field, he uses that gifts of medicine, not just to make money and to help people in America, but he goes and he gives it away in the world. See, that's a creative thing, isn't it? When you take the artistic gifts that God has given you and you avail them to kingdom purposes. I think for so many of us, we forget that the creative gifts that God has given us that we use in the marketplace actually have a place in the work of the body of Christ. Are you thinking that way? Are you seeing the gifts and the talents that don't save you but God has prepared you to walk in, do you see it as a way to bring blessing and healing to the world as we live outward and learn the art of living? See, not only does it say we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, but notice what else it says in verse 10. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's a powerful statement. Really what it's an encouragement to is for you and I to fulfill your and my destiny. When was the last time you realized that God, before you were even a little twinkle in your parents' eyes, God prepared you beforehand for certain good works that he wants you to do? So really this is an encouragement to fulfill your destiny. Now, every time I hear fulfill your destiny, being a child of the 80s, I always think of Marty McFly, right? Back to the future, you're my density. Remember that? If you haven't seen it, yeah. Just, it was just back to the future day, like a couple weeks back. It was a blast. I'm your density. It's a great line. When we don't fulfill our destiny in some ways, we are messing with our own density, in a sense. But what this means is that God preordained you to do certain things. Now, I think that this is really important. It's my exhortation to fulfill your destiny, because really your destiny is the destiny that God created you for. And one of the biggest issues I think we have in this culture that we live in is because our culture is driven so much by making a living and paying our bills, which aren't a bad thing. But it's very easy to let your paying the bills and let your making a living undercut the good works that God has prepared for us. 
And we need to find that sweet spot where we do pay the bills and we do make a living, but we make space in our lives so that we can fulfill the good works that God prepared beforehand that we would walk in. Ask yourself, am I fulfilling the work that God prepared beforehand that I would walk in? And for many of you, you're like, yeah, I think I'm getting that. Some of you are like, I don't know. And one of the keys for us is to be able to ask, Lord, what are the good works that you prepared beforehand that I would walk in? Lord, what, I'm, I do my vocation, I'm, I'm trying to take care of my business, but Lord, what does it look like for me to make space to be involved in the good works that you had foreordained that I would walk in? It's a powerful reality. You might say, so how do we do this? How do we do this? Here's the key. You need to be unique in Christ. Be unique in Christ. The biggest issue we have is we are so busy looking at each other, looking how God's using someone else. In some ways, church can be a hindrance to you fulfilling what God has prepared beforehand because you maybe you come to crossroads and you see, okay, so either Pastor Bill or Pastor Daniel or one of the pastors or a guest speaker, they preach the word. And then you have the musicians and they can play an instrument. Well, I can't really speak so good. And me playing an instrument, it's not really my thing. So what do I have to do? And the key is just to be unique. God has created where each one his own work of art. And in each one of us, there's differing gifts and talents. And the key is to be able to say, I'm okay to be who God made me to be. It's okay that the gifts that God has given me, the passions that he's given me, is unique from somebody else. Are you willing to be unique? See, this is why I think for, I said it at the beginning, the reason so many people don't see themselves as artists is because being creative and being artistic involves risk. And for most of us, as we get older, we risk less and less, right? When you're younger, you're not even thinking about the risk. You just do it. I love it. My kids, they're so artistic, and it's so fun. And they're like, staple a bunch of pieces of paper together, and they're like, we're going to make a book. They make a book, and there's drawings, and it's great, you know? But then you get older, you're, I'm going to write a book. And then you go try and shop that book, and you realize that everyone's like, yeah, it's a lousy book. And then after a while, you're like, because it's a lousy book, then maybe I'm not a good writer. See, we think that failure is antithetical to creativity, but really, failure is the vehicle to be creative. We have to be willing to keep showing up and, and dreaming and trying no matter what happens. Because it's in the furnace of failure that art is honed. I mean, you look at some of the great artists. I'm not saying that these are, it's biblical art, but like someone like Vincent Van Gogh. I mean, I think he only sold one painting in his entire life to his brother. You know, his own brother felt bad. I'll buy your painting, buddy. Vinny, don't worry. Died penniless. One of the greatest artists in contemporary history. You can read about people who shopped books because they wrote a book only to have everybody turn it down. And then they decide I'm just going to self-publish it. Like my friend Paul Young. The Shack is one of the most well-read books of this generation. People didn't want to publish it. How often have we allowed somebody else to define us by them thinking it's a failure, but it's really not a failure. 
I mean, think about this. You read the end of the Gospels, the death of Jesus was a colossal failure, wasn't it? Remember the disciples on the road to Emmaus? The disciples on the road to Emmaus was like, are you the only one who doesn't know what happened? We had this guy, his name was Jesus. We thought he was the hope for the children of Israel, the Messiah, and they killed him. And now we're just moping around, taking a walk. But they didn't realize that what seems like a failure was actually God's perfect plan. I love jazz music. There's a great story about Charlie Parker. Charlie Parker maybe was the first bebop musician along with Dizzy Gillespie. And there's a story about how Charlie Parker, as a young man, went to a jam session. There was a well-known saxophone player there, and, and he got up. He was a young man, and he went to go play a solo. And so he was soloing, and he wasn't doing a great job, and his solo was so bad that the drummer literally took his cymbal off of the stand and threw it. So, in the, so imagine this guy's solo, and all of a sudden the drums lay out, and then all of a sudden there's a loud clang because the guy threw the cymbal. Because he was like, really what he's saying is, get off the stage. That's what he's saying. For many saxophone players, that would be the end, right? But for Charlie Parker, he said, I'm going to let that be fuel. And he practiced, and he practiced, and literally... American art form of jazz was redefined by this guy because he failed. You think of like sports athletes who they don't get picked in the first round. I think of someone like Aaron Rodgers for the Green Bay Packers. He slid all the way in the first round, all the way down into the 20s. But he uses that failure to fuel honing. Think of someone like Tom Brady now. Best thing I like about Tom Brady is that when he plays the Giants in the Super Bowl, the Giants always win. <laughs> but he was picked in the sixth round. He wasn't even a starter in college. When you're unique and you realize that these are the gifts and talents that God has created me for, and you're willing to be unique, and you're willing to allow failure to be something that doesn't deter you but pushes you forward, God can do extraordinary things. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 35, verses 30 to 35, because it's a beautiful thing that we find in the giving of the tabernacle. It says, And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called my name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has fulfilled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship to design artistic works to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for settings, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. And then verse 34, and he has put in his heart the ability to teach in him, and Aholiab, the son of Asmach of the tribe of Dan, he has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue and purple and scarlet thread and fine linen and of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. See, what we find in the giving of the tabernacle and God's design for this, that there are these two men, Bezalel and Oliab, who God placed his spirit in, a spirit of wisdom, to be able to do all this stuff. 
And by extension, God has placed his spirit in you to do very specific works that he prepared beforehand that you would walk in and he's creating you in Christ so that you would uncover what those things are and you would, in a sense, tie those things into the world to make the world a more beautiful place. But if you're willing to be unique in Christ, God can use you. You think of someone creative. You think of someone like Steve Jobs, right? the founder of Apple Computers. Now, by all accounts, Steve Jobs wasn't a godly man, but he was willing to dream about something that nobody else believed in. And he was willing to fight for it. And now we look at him, we're like, wow, one of the most innovative minds of a generation. But he was willing to be unique and uncompromising in what he was getting at. And he was willing not to quit. I mean, it's amazing if you, if you know his story a little bit. He founded Apple Computers that grew really big, and then he actually got ousted as the CEO. And so when he was ousted as CEO, you know what he decided to do? He decided to become the CEO of Pixar. You know Pixar, like Toy Story, all those? Right? And so while Apple as a company is tanking, he's building Pixar into a juggernaut only to go back to Apple and now iPhones and iPads and all this iStuff that it's like, so even though he got outed from his own company and ousted from the corner office, his creativity is all through everything that he did. But you have to be willing to be unique. And I think one of the biggest issues we have is our uniqueness as Christians is not just being who you think you are. It's allowing Jesus to define who you are. And that's an important distinction because it's one thing to be unique in the world's way and in a way that isn't God-honoring, God. It's just self-aggrandizement. And when people think of creativity, they always think of that. Is it just the self on display? But really, in Christ, we want Jesus to be on display, but Jesus uses individuals uniquely. And I believe Jesus wants to use you and me uniquely. So you have to be willing to be unique. Also, you need to be passionate. Be passionate. When you understand who God is recreating you in Christ to be, you need to go at that with all of your energy. Be passionate for the things that God has placed in front of you. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Paul, talking to Timothy, says it this way. He says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. That's a powerful thing. He's saying, listen, the gift that's within you, meditate on these things and give yourself what? Entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Brothers and sisters, listen. Because biblical creativity involves risk and you will fail, I want to encourage you to be the unique part of the body of Christ and the family of the world and be passionate about it. Jesus is 
Thanks for joining us today as we studied God's Word with Pastor Daniel on Jesus Is Real Radio. Before we officially close for today, I want to tell you about a new book Pastor Daniel has written that will be released on February 16th. The title is Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life, and it's going to give you the opportunity to change your life for good. Here's Pastor Daniel to tell you about it. Thanks, Josh. Okay, so if you were anything like me, you look back on 2020 and said, Lord, I don't know what that was all about, but I'm hoping for a brighter future in 2021. I totally understand if you feel that way. So I have a way to get there that I think you're going to love. I am releasing my new book called Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life, and it could not be a better time for you to read it than right now. It's all about how to find lasting happiness right in the middle of our circumstances, even a year like 2020, believe it or not. I can't wait for you to check it out. I guarantee you will be blessed. Josh is going to tell you more about how you can get a copy. You can reserve your copy of Crazy Happy right now by pre-ordering. Visit danielfusco.com to find a list of retailers. Crazy Happy releases on February 16th. Not only will you love it, Crazy Happy makes a great gift. Or maybe you could start a book study with a friend or small group. Pre-order today at danielfusco.com. There are special offers on the website that are only available for people who pre-order the book. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called The Art of Living 